Hello everybody and welcome to Sound of Play. Every Wednesday in Sound of Play, we bring you some of our and your favourite pieces from the many video game soundtracks we've enjoyed over the decades. And joining me, Leon Cox, in Sound of Play 119 is from the community, Nick Turner. Welcome, Nick. Hello. Hello, everybody. Now, you may have heard me read out Nick's name on uh, on the Cane and Rinse podcast, possibly on this. Have you had some requests out on this show before, Nick? Yes, I have. Yeah. yeah, I've had a couple, cool. I think. I had a track from... Um... Uh, from SimCity, uh, Sim, uh, early SimCity, I think SimCity 4. Um, ah, okay. And also 
I can't remember. Sorry, I can't That's remember. That's all right. Yeah. It obviously wasn't the highlight of your life. <laughs> yeah. uh, but um, one of the things I've been musing over, I finally get to find out. So uh, your forum name, uh, yes. and uh, it's the one we know you as, is Nick Turner 13. So in my head, yeah. uh, there were 12 prototype Nick Turners. Okay. And um, or, or it's like that scene in Alien Resurrection where where Ripley stumbles across all the the failed botched attempts at reviving her, mm. and and she smashes them. Um, yeah, there are, them. there are the twelve failed Nick Turners somewhere in the world. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously Nick Turner's not a you know it's not a specially unusual name, so there's probably <laughs> more than thirteen of you in total. But were you the thirteenth version off the off the production line? Well, yeah. I mean, that, that, it's funny because I, I think probably some people might see the name and think, oh, maybe he just like maybe he thought to get an email address in 2013 and that just happened to be it yeah or yeah yeah, or you know you put nick turner in and then microsoft or google recommended 13 because there was 12 others but no it's actually um i've had a sort of an affiliation with the number 13 ever since i was very young Um, in in terms of like everyone always says oh it's an unlucky number so Mm. i tend to kind of go against the grain a little bit and say okay well i'm going to make it my lucky Mm. number Um, yes but then I, I went through my life, and as I, I, I find things, I find things that I can always relate back to the number 13. So, for example, um, I, I knew a couple of people when I was back at school who lived at number 13 um, mm. per whatever road they lived on. And then later on, I had another friend who lived at number 301, which, of course, mm. has got the one and the three in it. <laughs> and then my first girlfriend lived at number 310, which, again, has got the three and the one in it. Um, and then sometimes I can add up phone numbers, whether it be my old phone number or, you know, phone numbers of friends I, I know to either 26 or 39, which of course are always divisible by 13. So <laughs> I, I can always find the number 13 if I, if I look for it. I think maybe that this is a, a mathematical anomaly rather than a, a supernatural event. Uh, possibly, um, possibly. So, uh, Nick, I'm going to assume that given that you contacted us and I, I believe you listen to both of our podcasts, you're yes. a, a bit of a video gamer. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. I've always been there. I've always been into my games. So I'm like 38 years old now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've been, I think my first sort of gaming experience was probably when I was about seven or eight. And I went around to a friend's house who um, he had an Atari 2600. Wow. Uh, and I saw games like River Raid and Dig Dog on there. Oh, and, I, great. and I was completely in love, and I remember my parents had to drag me away crying to, to take yeah. me home that day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have a few memories along those lines as well. Yeah. Well, talking of Atari, a couple of generations later, they uh, they released the ST. Was was this your first machine? And we've already heard a track there from from Overlander from 1988. Was was that your first big boy computer? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I was about nine or ten, I think, when I got that one. And uh, oh, I, was, so I, I was actually a little bit annoyed because um, my my friends at the time all had Spectrum sort of 48Ks or 128Ks. And yeah. all I wanted was the Spectrum 128K so I could swap cassettes with my friends and of course. cousins Pirate and things. copies in the playground, all the all the classics. <laughs> yeah, but my dad went out and bought me this this thing that the Witch magazine recommended, the Atari ST. Huh. So, so he was abs- actually being an amazing dad. But, in a way. But also slightly getting it wrong in the way that parents, <laughs> yeah. parents do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Still, but, um, yeah. But, but the time you but the time you fired it up and you were seeing some of the graphics and stuff on the ST, you must have been blown away. Then, if you were just after a spectrum, though. yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's where Overlander comes from. That game with the um, the ST Power Pack, which is what I got, and so that was yeah. pretty much the first game I, I played. 
and yeah so that that particular piece of music just will always stick with me as being wow this mm. is a whole new computer gaming world yeah so that's by jason brooke we featured him a few times before he uh was uh around doing uh tunes for the 8 and 16 bits then um overlander was a kind of it wasn't wildly well reviewed it was a sort of road blasters uh clone ish um with 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 some pretensions um but what we heard there from that uh opening track is that the st was uh we've mentioned this quite a number of times was famous for its use in the studios of music producers because it had uh, midi ports built in which the amiga didn't but actually the internal sound chip of the st was not quite up there with the uh with the the sampling power of the amigas so so um listening to st music now it sounds like a sort of odd sort of cross hybrid between eight and you know eight bit chip tunes and 16 bit samples is that yes. fair yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, yeah. It kind of sounds like like a Commodore sixty four, but slightly better. Yeah, mm. yeah. Mm. Although you'll you'll now have Sid Chip fans f- frothing at the bit saying because nothing nothing is better than the Sid Chip. No, well, to- absolutely. <laughs> yeah, we can talk a bit about Sid Chip maybe a little bit later. But yeah, absolutely. Mm. All right, let's hear our first pick from the forum. Uh, from the the rest of the community and this is actually from our friend Ben Cartledge who uh, I interviewed recently and he is the main man at uh, One Credit Classics he's uh, if you haven't seen he's doing some excellent um, videos on his YouTube channel One Credit Classics where he takes uh, mainly old 8 and 16 bit games NES Master System uh, computers arcade machines and plays them until he can one credit them and that includes some extremely notoriously challenging games Uh, and he's very engaging uh, character, a real insane passion for games of that era. So do check out his stuff. And uh, one of the games he played on One CC was uh, was Elemental Master, the Technosoft game, uh, which came out originally in 1990 in Japan. Uh, came out three years later in America, and sadly never came out in in power regions. Uh, so it wasn't one that I uh, I played, even though I was a big fan of Technosoft. But this track is from uh, from that game, and Ben says Bloodstained Lake from the Elemental Master soundtrack really stands out on a stellar soundtrack on this often forgotten Mega Drive gem. So let's hear it, Bloodstained Lake.
And that's Elemental Masters Bloodstained Lake by Toshiharu Yamanishi from 1990. Uh, we're sort of working our way uh, through chronologically at this point. I don't know if that continues. No, it doesn't quite, but uh, almost by accident it did. Anyway, I'm here with my guest Nick Turner, 13, from uh, the Cane and Rinse community, basically. And uh, as you as you are hearing, uh, he asked to come on, and here he is, and that's how you do it. You got a microphone. You got some. You got Audacity downloaded. So yeah, if you want to do the same, pick some tracks, come and join us. Um, let me know. Uh, so Nick, this next one uh, is not an ST track. So does this suggest that by 1991 you traded in the old Atari for an Amiga or a PC? Or is it just that you've come to this piece of music later in life? Um, no, it's, it's, you're absolutely right, yeah. I mean, I had, I had the ST sort of through the late 80s and then early 90s. Um, but... I really enjoyed sort of playing um, Police Quest 1 and mm. the Space Quest 1 and all the very early sort of Sierra games. Mm. They were... I really liked the fact that... I mean, Police Quest 1 especially, in the packaging you would get not only the game on a disc and in an incredibly large box at the time, yes. um, but a manual, and the, it was a police <laughs> manual. And the police manual, it, it had a, certainly by Police Quest 3, it had a fake coffee stain on it and... Um, it looked very realistic, you know, and then inside it, it had the radio codes, the proper radio codes you needed to use as a policeman and pro- proper police operating procedures. And so playing the games, it, it it kind of gave a real sense of actually what it would be like to be a policeman. And I, don't, I just mm. kind of fell in love with that whole idea at the time. Mm. Um, but by Police Quest 3 came along. Yeah, I mean, I uh, it was a great game. And I remember, um, again, getting that from a, a game store going once into because i come from the country obviously in shrewsbury i remember once going into um i think it was birmingham or possibly manchester and going into i don't know it wouldn't have been a game then it would have been something no like, menzies or something yeah or mvc virgin Woolworths. Virgin yeah. Woolworths, yeah whatever it was yeah. it had just enormous gaming section like yeah. i'd never seen and i was just wow. yeah blown away um yeah and i found police Quest three in there and yeah, took it home and struggled with it, but very much enjoyed it. I mean, I remember getting stuck at one particular point where um, you, you get a, like an in-game map and you have to sort of plot out all the kind of murders that happen throughout the game. And then you have to draw, essentially you have to draw like a, um, a pentagram to map out where all these murders have right. happened. And then where yeah. the, the, the place you need to go is obviously the centre of the pentagram. But no matter how many times I drew out the pentagram, it, it never seemed to like register with the game that that's what i was right. doing so i kind of never really got past that point ah um, classic uh, classic early 90s gaming we just yeah, uh, yeah. talked about uh, a couple of weeks ago at the time of uh, listeners hearing this for the first time we were talking about uh, uh, uh slightly later in the 90s 98 but uh, the some of the incredibly obscure puzzles of, of grim fandango yes i, I was just say, listening to that earlier today actually yeah. oh very good of you um <laughs> Yeah, and I, I got to say, the whole Sierra Online games are a bit of a gap in my uh, in my you know I would say fairly extensive gaming history and knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm aware of all the Quest games. We've we've had them requested to cover on the Kane and Rinse podcast, but I don't think really any of the team have um, were were kind of that big on them. Mm-hmm. Maybe Carl has played some of them. I'm not sure, but they were always a bit of a. I think I think it was partly for me. I, I, I had an Amiga rather than a PC, and I knew that the Amiga versions were uh, a bit a bit cut down and a bit slower compared to the 
to to the PC version, so maybe I was slightly put off. And yeah, I I kind of maybe I didn't really quite understand what kind of games they were. Were they were they point and click adventures? Were they interactive movies? Were they mm. uh, a, a old school adventure games in the style of text adventures? I wasn't. I was never really yeah. sure. They were kind of. Certainly the early ones were more like your text adventures. You you know, you walk your character into a room, you like look at or look and then go to or not right. so much go to but you could like direct your character with the arrow keys, but then you could yeah. say, you know, open door or open box, look in box, and then you could tell you on the screen what's in the box and then pick up. So it's it's almost like the um the point and click adventure games of like the scum um VM yeah. games. So uh, but but you actually had to type the verbs instead of like clicking on yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. So it was that transition between yes. uh, text text and graphic adventure. So this piece of music, uh, I understand from you that this was composed by the the mighty Jan Hammer. Is that is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess they spent a lot of money on this because they wanted to make it seem very very Authentic. professional. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he'd already had a massive hit with the Miami Vice theme in, I guess, the mid-80s, was that mm-hmm. probably 85, something like that? Yeah, Crockett's theme, yeah. Crockett's theme, I should say, yeah. Uh, and I guess, yeah, uh, fans of, of electronica and synth music may be more aware of his work. But that, So they obviously roped him in for this. And uh, as a matter of curiosity interest, because it's something that's come up a few times recently, we're going to hear the two different versions. So can you explain, uh, yeah, what, what version A and version B is? Yeah, so version A is the is the PC Sound Blaster version. So as you alluded to on previous pods, um, you you had like a basic PC speaker, which was just like a, a, a virtually a speaker fixed a on beeper. the sound card. Yeah, yeah, which just beeped along to things. Then you could buy additional, like you now can with graphics cards. You could buy sound cards, and the main two ones then were the AdLib card, which is essentially just MIDI music. Um, mm. And then the Sound Blaster card, which is a little bit more complicated, but it, it could do MIDI music, but also could do sort of like samples and that kind of thing as well. So that's the first version is from the Sound Blaster card. But then the second version we'll hear is from the Roland M2, MT32, which is yeah. a complete MIDI, MIDI link that you could link out of the PC onto. And mm. I believe that, that they managed to get in Jan Hammer on the belief that he would be writing it on the MT32. Uh-huh. And then they trimmed his music down to fit the Sound Blaster afterwards. So the Sound Blaster version is the version that I know and it's the version yeah. that I remember. But yeah. listening to the Roland version afterwards, it's like, whoa, yeah, okay, that sounds a lot better actually, to be honest.
So that's main theme from Police Quest 3, The Kindred. What does that refer to, uh, Nick? Nick Turner, our guest here? Um, I believe it, re- believe it refers to... So throughout the Police Quest games, there's kind of a running story. Um, mm-hmm. And in the first game, you have... There's like a, a guy that you, that you chase after us, but you never quite catch him. Um, and then you, you meet a girl uh, who's working as a, funnily enough, working as a waitress in a cocktail bar um, <laughs> at the time. Should have got Phil Oakey in. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then by Police Quest 3, you're actually married to said said girl um, and you have a nice house in the suburbs and everything. But this guy comes back to sort of exact his revenge um, upon the oh, city no. of Lytton, which is the made-up city in the games. Um, and he does something terrible to your wife. Uh, so I think the kindred probably is yeah, reflecting the storyline around that, basically. I see. I sort of see. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, we'll have heard uh, two versions there. Um, and yeah, the second one with the Roland, that's the one with the uh, the gank in it. Um, the, 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 the good old-fashioned 80s orchestral, orchestral stabs. Um, and I'm still currently um, working on a playlist for an all-gank special at some point <laughs> in the sound of play. It will be the most 80s-sounding thing you can imagine. So from Police Quest to Police Noughts, and this is a request from the forum, uh, a fairly short track from Police Notes. Tadinho requests it. It's called Icy Offense and Defense and it's by Matuaki Furukawa and Koichi Namiki. So that's icy offense and defense from Police Noughts. Uh, that's a nice segue from Police Quest into Police Noughts. I know, you're very good at that, aren't we? <laughs> NEC, 3DO, PS1 and Saturn, 1994 onwards. So you were a, were you, you kind of, you, you went from ST to PC. Mm. Um, were you kind of big on the, the whole kind of, uh, the sort of the move into first um, sort of, uh, big cinematic stuff like Wing Commander and that kind of thing, and then the move into FMV, or were you? Did you actually find more of your gaming time was spent on sort of more traditional, you know, arcade style action games? It's difficult to say because uh, although I had a PC, I also had, well, my brother had a PlayStation One, um, mm-hmm. so we we played a lot of 
we, we played a few games together on that, um, including Final Fantasy VII, which we're going to move on to in a second. But um, hmm. uh, on the PC, uh, towards towards this kind of period, I mainly played Football Manager, um, uh-huh. funnily enough, which is Good a game call. that I now play yeah, every year for two or three hundred hours without fail. So, ah, okay. Did yeah. you hear our? Uh, we did a football manager show on Canerint some years back. I oh, did. You? I know. I yeah. Ah. Someone. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it went down quite well, even with people who don't really like football. Um, yeah. It was. Yeah. I think. I think we managed to. Um, not, don't mean to blow our own trumpets, but I think we kind of somehow within that two hours we talked about the whole series, and, and I think we managed to get across sort of the nature of the passion for that game, and mm. sort of it, it's a very difficult thing to explain to people who don't get it. Uh, and that that doesn't even include. It's not like it's all football fans love Football Manager. I know some people who adore football, but are just not interested in that side of it. They they see it as complete, almost you know the op- like an uh, yeah like opposed to what football's about for them, which is you know kind of really physical and um, personality based stuff. And but yeah, I you know I I spent many many hundreds of hours playing various versions of that. I've yeah. had to uh, had to put it to 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 one side in recent years but i am uh i'm facebook friends with miles jacobson so okay, i keep, yeah. up, keep up with it that way yeah. um and yeah it's uh yeah every year when when the new one comes out even though i haven't had one since 11 or 12 or 13 okay i feel that pull that like oh because you know i i do play fifa every year or pez or both yes um yes, so that how ha- that has to be done yeah Football Manager is even more of a time sink. So, mm-hmm. um, so how's that? Is is the series still progressing in a way that pleases you? Are you the kind of player who just wants more and more and more depth and authenticity, or do you find yourself using the? Because I believe they now include modes that make it kind of a bit more like the old, yeah, uh, old era games to play and make it a bit less intensive. Yeah, I mean, yeah, based on based on the amount of time I have, I really should use those modes as you, as you mentioned, but. What I generally do is use the most complicated version, but then yeah. hire in a load of staff to sort of automatically do some of those things. Ah, uh, yes. Um, yeah. One of the nicest things I like to do is get in a director of football to try and mm. make all the signings for me. And then I That's ju- a I, fairly I just, new feature, yeah, isn't it? And I just have the final yes-no say on it. So if he goes away and finds me like some incredible player that I would never have found, then of course I'll say yes. But if I've already got four decent strikers and he goes away and finds me another £30 million striker, then... Yeah, probably won't say yes. <laughs> yeah, it's um, I I had that thing when I did last play, which was that if I if I did give too many uh, of the tasks over to my assistants, I felt like I wasn't really extracting everything out of the game. But mm, actually, there yeah. does come a point where, like, if you were doing that job for real, yeah. you have to delegate because otherwise, it just becomes unmanageable to do all the media, all the commercial side, mm. all the hiring and firing, all the training. <laughs> it's just in, insane. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you go all the way back to the the uh, the original eight bit football manager? Um, I mean, my first football game memory is actually, uh, I think it was called Match Day or Match of the Day back on the Spectrum. Yeah, Match Day, yeah. Yeah, so that was good. And that had like a really like, in fact, that needs to be picked for a song on this sound to play one time. The Match uh-huh. of the Day theme tune on the old Spectrum. Yes, Offici- un- unofficially licensed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, it was a famous game, which I don't know if there is still, but there was a society in the same way that there's still a, like a kickoff fan mm. sort of 
society mm. and uh, and uh, sensible and and sabutio as well going back to the analog tabletop days mm. there was a there was a match day society with, that that continued to claim it was you know it was the best and only <laughs> football game that you could play like well into the okay. 90s or 2000s or something and um, yeah. i you know i i as somebody who embraces the new the new fifa and pez every year yeah. i i can't really get with that as much as i love those games but yeah. i quite like I, I do like that level of dedication there was just a news story we ran on a Facebook page a couple of days ago about the the group of people who keep NHL 94 alive. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So the the third iteration of EA Hockey, as it was on on the Mega Drive and and Super yeah. Nintendo, NHL ninety four. Um, there's a there's a whole dedicated community of people who play it online, and they're like, why would we play anything else? This one's perfect. Mm. <laughs> so like, yeah, that was good. Did that one it. have the the fighting in it? Um, they the fighting sort of came in and out because there was I think they had it in NHLPA ninety three and then possibly NHL. 94 dropped it or or maybe it was the NHLPA didn't want fighting in the game and so they I can't remember but uh yeah I don't I don't know if 94 had fighting okay um but there there was some controversy within the sort of as you can imagine within the NHL ranks that like is this actually (laughs) a part of the game that we want to uh promote and simulate so um yeah it was it was never that uh (laughs) deep a a fighting sim as I recall it was it was always funny when the gloves came off yeah it was good fun but you just used to sort of um accelerate into one another (laughs) try to time that that swing Mm. uh yeah it wasn't exactly um street fighter but good times good memories speaking of which so mid 90s again or mid to late 90s Mm. uh and you talked about uh you and your uh brother was it playing final fantasy yeah final fantasy 7 so this was a an almighty game uh now the fact that you've picked uh, this particular piece underneath the rotting pizza as it's it's got a few names depending on the translation um suggests that you weren't one of the millions of people that bought this game and didn't just didn't get it and traded it in like two weeks after Christmas ah, right, or whatever. Yeah. Sounds like you, uh, you, you got it got under your skin and you, you bathed in the world for a while. Yeah, yeah. So me and me and my brother, well, my brother bought it or um, back in '97, but basically when it first came out. Um, yes. And then we used to because we were only would have been, well, I would have been eighteen, he'd have been fourteen at the time. So mm. we spent a lot of time. Um, mostly him kind of playing or we take it in turns like he'd play and I'd play um, but then I'd always kind of like add the voices on for all the characters oh cool so it, it was, it's kind of um, yeah we, we just we certainly didn't complete it but we definitely got out of Midgar and we went to sort of various places around the world mm. um, but yeah it, it was always good fun because I'd, always, I'd sort of add on some of the different voices for the different characters and it, it kept my <laughs> brother like really really entertained and I know he has like really fun memories of it, of it still to this day that's great brothering uh, yeah, yeah that almost makes me wish I had siblings that sort of story okay uh, so why, why did you pick this piece just just one of your favourites from the soundtrack yeah I mean I, I know that I mean I've listened to a lot of sound to play and um, Final Fantasy 7 comes up a lot but this track hasn't been picked and, and to me it's the You're one right. that I remember because it's it's got a nice drum line it's got a nice bass line mm. and it, it's something you can just tap along to um, which I did an awful lot because I, you know I, I am kind of a drummer and oh, cool. I did a lot of, and my brother did it as well, but we'd like, and it's, it's kind of a weird story, but we'd tap along to all the music in Final Fantasy VII, especially like when the, the fight music came on, because that was a bit more yeah. tempo. And, yeah. we, and we ended up tapping along with our with our two sort of index fingers onto the side of the PlayStation part. And we, right. we did that so much that we kind of like, 
wore, wore away um, almost like sand dune effect on, on the left and right of the pad. Wow. Where we just tapped that, away on its own. Blimey. Yeah. That's a lot of tapping. <laughs> Amazing. Right. Let's hear it. This is uh, the very groovy uh, but slightly sinister Underneath the Rotting Pizza by uh, Nobuo Uematsu from, of course, Final Fantasy VII. Published by uh, Square in Japan, Sony elsewhere. 
certainly uh, so, uh, Sony in Europe I think Square in Japan and America probably 1997 Final Fantasy 7 um, at the time of recording we are about a month away or more from recording our first ever Final Fantasy Kane and Rinse podcasts it's going to be covering the first two games start at the very beginning do it properly or not at all being the mantra usually uh, so who knows if and when we'll ever get to 7 but uh, the, the team decided that we wanted to yeah talk about the whole series yeah yeah so daunting i'm i'm finding this idea daunting right now but, <laughs> i thought uh, it's going to be a mammoth undertaking i'm sure yeah yeah uh maybe we won't try to do elder scrolls at the same time <laughs> right <Yeah. laughs> so back to the early 90s in the world of nintendo and uh rather simpler sound chip and this is a request from gaio pinto uh, who says, I just finished playing Kirby's Dreamland on the original Game Boy, and I was surprised by how awesome the soundtrack was. I just, I thought just about all of the music was good, but the song that plays when you take on King Dedede, or did I always struggle with this, Dedede, 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 Smash Brothers told me is Dedede. Uh, when you take on King Dedede on the final level is fantastic. So this is Jun Ishikawa's King Dedede's theme from Kirby's Dreamland on the Game Boy. theme by Jun Ishikawa from Howl's Kirby's Dreamland. One of the first, if not the first Kirby game, I forget. There's a lot of Kirby to remember in this uh, in this here uh, library-like brain of mine. Uh, did you have a handheld in the 90s at all? Was um, a Game Boy part of your arsenal? Yeah, I think, again, my brother had a uh, Game Boy um, and I didn't play it too much, to be honest, but I think he had Kirby or possibly at least borrowed it for a little while. Um, but the the main game I remember playing on it would have been well, apart from Tetris, which everyone played. Um, oh yeah, would have been uh, one of the Spider Man games. Spider Man, eh? Oh, mm. Interesting. No Link's Awakening for you? Uh, no, no. I I completely. I'm not generally a big Nintendo fan. Um, although I, I feel like as I get older, I should be, or I should have been at least. But <laughs> yeah, no. Everything to do with Nintendo, I kind of just don't really look at. Although having said that, I may look at 
Breath of the Wild soon. Well, there's no should about it, but <laughs> uh, but all I would say, as you know, I mean, I'm sure you've heard us talk about them, but all I would say is, as as a as a lifelong mad passionate gamer, is uh, some of my best experiences of of video gaming and life have been spent with Nintendo's AAA product. It's uh, it's it's quite a uh, it's we're, we're recording this on what I hope will be um, Super Mario Odyssey Eve because my copy has been dispatched. It's not out officially till Friday, but my copy's on the way. I'm 45, nearly 45 and a half years old, and I'm very excited. Put it that way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I have a good friend uh, named Jim, and he, he's a big Nintendo fan. And throughout the years, we've always had kind of a bit of a tete a tete in terms of like PlayStation versus Nintendo. Oh. Um, and it's it's you know we've never resolved it, but you know he's, I I certainly understand his point of view being a Nintendo fanboy, um, but to me it's it, it it's just all a little bit kind of cartoony and childlike. Yeah, it makes sense that it wouldn't uh, it wouldn't gel with everybody, but uh, yeah, there's 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 joy to be had. Breath of the sure. Wild maybe maybe your uh, maybe your gateway drug. Yeah, who knows? I think so. Maybe yeah. Speaking of cartoony and Nintendo, bit of gaming news: uh, the Splatoon two. Soundtrack is going to get a two-disc release, uh, and it's called, excellently enough, Splatoon 2. Uh, Famitsu reported that the score will include all the music from the game, including the fantasy uh, songs from the fantasy bands uh, like Wet Floor and Off the Hook. Uh, Similarly to the previous album, it will also include jingles and sound effects from the game, uh, and uh, there's a booklet as well. Uh, And that comes out on November the 29th, and you can order it from a site called CD Japan, uh, our video games music news, courtesy of the site uh, VGMonline.net. And they also tell us that there's an extended Tekken 7 soundtrack coming from the enormous and very talented uh, team who make the music for those games at Bandai Namco. Uh, It's going to be called Tekken 7 Soundtrack Plus. Um, so it'll be all the music from the uh, console version of the game as well as the arcade versions, Convention and Fated uh, Retribution Uh, and so it's led by Ryo Hamamoto it's going to be four discs three dedicated to the console release and the final disc uh, covering those arcade versions Uh, and yeah you can pre-order that at on a site called Sweep Record um, slated for release October the 31st so good stuff Uh, I like to incorporate some updates on what's going on so next up we have uh, we're going slightly back in time again for this one Um, But this is a cover version of, uh, I think we featured the original before. I think Carl probably picked it because I know he's a massive fan of of Chris Hulsbeck's work on Great Guyana Sisters. Um, So uh, when did you stumble across this uh, this metal style cover by (laughs) Machinae Supremacy? Machine, you know, it's a weird I think it's, I mean, to me, it looks like it should say Machine Supremacy, but I'm pretty sure the band say just Machine Supremacy. Oh, okay. I'm going to stick with that. That's easier. Yeah, so this band, this is what, this has pretty much been my favorite band for the last sort of 10 years or so. Um, Right. I discovered them when I was playing a game called Trackmania Nations on the PC. Mm Yeah. Around 2007, 2008, something like that. Um, and it was, uh, I don't know if you know the game, but you, it's kind of a game where you, you repeatedly do a track, which may only last 30 seconds or so, but you do it repeatedly over and over again for a period of five or 10 minutes, al- along with a lot of other people online. And mm. then you're always shaving off the very last sort of split second from your time. Um, but anyway, one, yeah. of, one of the tracks 
in the, in the game, it was a, a custom created track, and it had this as the background music for the game. Uh, sorry, not this song, but it had a, a song by Machine Supremacy. Yeah. Um, and when I suddenly heard them, I thought, wow, that's a really interesting sound. It's kind of like, it's good metal music, but it's also mixed with like a computer game sounding effect. Yeah, yeah. And I find that really, really interesting to listen to. So I found out more about the band, Machine Supremacy. Uh, and yeah, it's basically all I've listened to since. They they mix a good mm-hmm. style of uh, kind of metal. It's not too heavy, but it's you know it's, no. it's listenable listenable metal. Um, and they use a Commodore sixty four SID chip yeah. as mm. one of their main instruments. So so did you yeah. have any affection for the SID chip? Obviously, you came in with your ST and uh, and then moved on to PC. Mm-hmm. Um, but did did the does the sound of the C sixty four do anything for you like it does for some of our previous uh, guests and and listeners? Only having now listened to Machine Supremacy, if I hear, right. I just think, right, that sounds like it should be a Machine Supremacy song. I see. Okay. So, did you play uh, the the infamous, notorious uh, Super Mario Brothers clone that was the Great Guyana Sisters? <laughs> no, no, I did not. Never played it. Oh, okay. No. Uh, yes, famously, um, I, I haven't got the, the story in front of me, but off the top of my head, uh, it was on the shelves for about a week before Nintendo issued a, a, a cease and desist. Um, oh. It was it was Commodore 64 and Amiga. It was an you know, it was absolutely blatant. Like the level the level layouts were almost identical to Super Mario Brothers and and things like that. Of course, you know, some sort of eight and sixteen bit computer heads from Europe still absolutely swear by it you know like it's better than mario and kind of thing which okay. I, I think is a stretch but you know if it maybe if it was the first one you played before super mario brothers you you might think that, that it feels you know it feels different to you yeah. um but yeah and then over the years it got ported uh, unofficially to loads and loads of different platforms and then in recent times i'm not sure which publisher developer it is but they've un- they've kind of re unearthed the 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 franchise the great guyana sisters there was a ds game and there's been a, a downloadable game as well and that brought chris Hulesbeck back uh, to do the music as well for um i can't remember what it's called it's called twisted something or other yes that's, that's right and, and actually machine yeah. supremacy have helped do the music for that as well uh, oh i see very good yeah so my understanding is is that although I, again i think i've played a demo of that of the, mm. of the twisted dreams i think it is um that you your character you can switch between kind of well let's say it's like a good and a that's and an evil. right you've and, got the metal sister right yeah and when you switch course. to the metal sister the, yeah. that side of the music is machine supremacy oh well fantastic uh everything suddenly makes sense again <laughs> yeah. well let's hear it this is the uh the famous great guyana sisters theme uh, as interpreted by machine supremacy
So one of our favourites, Chris Hulsbeck, uh, composed the original Great Guyana Sisters theme, and that is um, a band who call themselves Machine Supremacy. I assume you can find all their stuff on YouTube. Uh, and are they on Spotify as well? Do you know, Nick? Certainly some of their albums are, yes. But they're, they're very good with the community and the fact you can actually download a lot of their stuff from their website directly. Oh, great. Okay. Do they tour at all? Have you managed to see them live? I actually saw them, yeah. They, they generally, because they're from Sweden, they generally sort of stick around Sweden and Finland area. Mm. But they did come to England and played the uh, the massive venue that is Nuneaton. Um, Nuneaton, yeah. Right. So I saw them in, I, t- I took the train up to Nuneaton and booked a hotel huh. and saw them. It was a couple of years ago now. Fantastic. Good show. Yeah, was it? yeah it was great fun. Yeah, great. Any fun. highlights? Uh, any tunes that you were desperate for them to... No, well, no, they, they played, all, they, I mean, everything they played I knew, so it, it was fantastic. The highlight was kind of slightly embarrassing, but I loved the gig so much that I, I met the singer afterwards. And, oh, it's always good. Yeah, but I was kind of like starstruck and didn't know what to say, so I just gave him a big hug and then ran away. Ah, oh, that's a nice story. I like that. <laughs> I, did, I didn't wait around to, when I went to see Akira Yamaoka uh, a couple of years ago, I didn't wait around to, uh, to give him a hug at the end, but maybe I should have done. <laughs> So our eighth penultimate track for this sound of play is another request from the forum. This is from Octorock385, who says, could you play the end of Raging Winds from the Etrian Odyssey 4 soundtrack? Yes, we can. The tune was originally featured in Etrian Odyssey 3, then updated to use live players for the series move to the 3DS. The first three minutes is a pretty good showing. The guitar solo at 240 is particularly shred-worthy.
the end of Raging Winds, composed by Takeshi Yanagawa. Uh, so I guess they just had more cartridge space on the on the 3DS. Um, DS was capable of playing sampled sounds, so obviously they could have uh, used real instruments. But um, but I guess they yeah, just a lot of things expanded out in the era of 3DS. So um, yeah, some we've had two quite shreddy tracks in a row there mm. for all you guitar fans. Mm. So we established that you you had access to a Game Boy, but you didn't play it much. You're not much of a Nintendo gamer. So does that mean is a 3S a 3DS part of your arsenal, or you you stuck Vita wise? No, I I, I didn't. Uh, I don't really have a handheld um, machine these days. Only my phone. So I have uh-huh. a, a piece. I had an Xbox 360 for a while. Um, which I still have, but I don't really use it. And I'm kind of thinking about right now either a PS4 Pro or an Xbox One X or a mm. or a Nintendo Switch. And obviously, um, Breath of the Wild is making me consider that more than the other <laughs> two right now. There's a lot of compelling reasons for a PS4 um, Pro, I would say, uh, in terms of numbers of quality exclusives and things. But yeah, if you're, if I mean, yeah, Breath of the Wild. I mean. Goodness me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. There's, there's lots of, I mean, yeah, obviously when, when you've got the switch as well, you've got, you, you know, you have access to, uh, to a handheld device, a hybrid. So exactly. you can uh, yeah. use it on the train, which I spend a lot of time on these days. Do you? Mm. Ah, now, if only they'd bring, uh, obviously there is a version of FIFA, which has been moderately well received, which is um, somewhere between the last gen and current gen versions of FIFA. But if only they would bring uh football manager, Uh, over over to the switch they could probably do because there's like a um is it it's touch they do on the handheld systems yeah i think so yeah i've not played it but there is a touch version yes Mm, i wonder if that one would work on on switch might pester miles on facebook about that see if if i can get you can never get any information because they're all signed up the wazoo with ndas and things like that So, listeners, before we hear our final track uh, picked by our guest Nick from the community, remember, please venture over to the forum at canarince.com slash forum, or you can do it on Twitter. Not many people do, but follow us anyway at canarince. Use the hashtag sound of play. We may or may not remember to use it. We'll try. Uh, we also have a Facebook page, of course. That's where we do news, most of our games and news on Facebook. But we also obviously keep you up to date with podcasts and uh, articles and features that get posted at canarince.com. But that's uh, facebook.com slash and rinse and as i say you can request your tunes your favorites other uh, odd tracks and curios and things that you have a, a particular liking for i'm always interested to hear the stories behind the songs as well while you're picking them um, and of course as proved here today uh, once again if you ask you really want to come on you've got a microphone some audio software and you're not shy to talk then uh, let us know and come along and join us on sound of play please subscribe to the podcast leave us an itunes review or rating or wherever else or tell a friend something like that and if you really like what we do we have a patreon patreon.com slash cane and rinse and uh, you can donate a dollar a month or more become a patron and uh, that keeps getting plowed back into everything that we do we currently release uh, about three hours of podcasts a week and we're looking to increase that further uh, and obviously the more money we have coming in the more time it in- enables us to to spend doing that basically so nick before we hear from uh, this final track from andreas volder toft mm. uh thank you for joining me on sound of play it's okay and uh, have you got anything out there that you want to tell listeners about from social media to side projects to uh, blogs? I don't know. 
I have a Twitter which is Nick Turner thirteen. Although I don't tweet all that much, I just tend to retweet things that I find funny. Um, although in these days it tends to be um, political and Trump based, which is slightly more worrying. But <laughs> let's not talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I have a, a YouTube channel um, which I am threatening to do something with, but Ooh, have okay. not as yet. My my plan is to go through all my Steam library of about three hundred games at some point. Yeah. Um, and just make a half hour video of each, but I haven't actually really started that yet. Get cracking on those videos. Um, yeah, I just noticed my Steam library's just just uh, topped over the uh, the 300 mark as well. It's, uh, it's kind of what happens. But um, when you add that up to the hundreds on all the other formats as well, that's when it starts to get daunting. That's why I started a podcast uh, with the help of a lot of friends where we try to complete games. <laughs> so we actually complete games. Yeah. Actually, actually, sorry, having said, having said all that, I do mm. have, um, and one of the reasons why I've sort of bought myself some uh, some nice kit right now in terms of a microphone and uh, and a guitar and everything is that me and a, a good friend called Dominic, we are planning on um, making a new album. So 10 years ago, we, uh-huh. we recorded two albums where I did all the music on the computer on, on all sort of uh, tracker DOS-based um, software. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we, we're about to try and get back into it again, so I need to start making some music and we're going to get the guitars and the bass out and start singing again. And our plan is to record a new album. We've got some ideas, so hopefully by the middle of next year we'll uh, be putting something out. Excellent. Getting the band back together. Exactly. Does the band have a name? Uh, yeah, the band's called Duodenum or Duodenum. Ah, mm. um, which is, yeah, it's one of those words like... Um, that word that's in uh, Bloodborne, the the uh, 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 amygdala or amygdala, okay. <laughs> duodenum or du- or, or diplodocus right. and diplodocus. Yes. Anyway, sorry, derailed. Carry on. Yeah, duodenum. No, that's it, and it's just the two of us. Hence, duo, and then yeah, I'm not quite sure where the duodenum comes from or duodenum, but there you go. I like it. It works. All right. So uh, to play us out, we've got uh, this uh, fairly spacey extended track for our listeners. Uh, Tell us what it is you like about this one from Luminescence. Yeah. So, I mean, as we said, my PC gaming goes all the way back from sort of the first games I played was something like um, Indianapolis 500, which was back in 1989. And the you know that that was from Platypus, uh, sorry, uh, Papyrus Games. That's right, yeah. And they made quite a few sort of NASCAR games in the early two thousands. But but all all of that is like you know, very old graphics, but but great physics nevertheless. Um, oh, and um, what was the sort of old timey racing one that it was like Legends of Racing or something that they did? It was like um, it was a simulation of pre Formula One. You know. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. It was quite a famous game. Edge used to rave about it a lot. Right. Okay. Um, Mm. Yeah, um, but but so PC gaming all through the years has come through from, from that all the way through to sort of uh, Football Manager, as you said, and then Civilization games. Um, yeah. But nowadays, uh, I find Stellaris very interesting because it's it's kind of one of these grand strategy games that uh, Paradox put out. Um, there's games like Crusader Kings and Europa Universalis. Oh yeah, Hearts of Iron. Now all those I've heard games, of all of these. Yes. not played any. No, yeah, yeah I've, I've tried Crusader Kings, but it's. Uh, I think all three of them are probably very difficult to get into. Um, yeah, deep and complex. Yes, but Stellaris is just on that border of you know accessibility where you can pretty much jump into it and, and understand what you're doing straight away. What um, are you doing? Space bases. Yes, so you start off as um, as a race. Let's say you start off as humans. Um, and then you explore the immediate 
uh, un- um, system that you're in, mm-hmm. and then you send off sort of scout ships to other systems, and then eventually you sort of spread across the entire galaxy as you work, find new systems and then um, populate new planets within the different systems. Uh, and then within the whole universe, you'll meet other people, other gal- other, other civilizations almost, or other races right. that are doing the same kind of thing. Played by other humans? Is it multiplayer? Yes, you can play this... multiplayer, yes. Right, right, right. Um, okay. And does it play, am I, I'm imagining a sort of SimCity-ish kind of setup, or is it more Command and conquer Uh No, it's, it's, more like, it's more like Civilization. It's more like that kind of... Right. Um, yeah, SimCity-ish, but yeah. Um, I see. It, it takes a long time to play. That's that's for sure. It's turn based, is it? It's surprisingly not. It's it's not turn based, but it, oh, it kind okay. of plays like it is turn based. Right, right, okay. And uh, and so you've spent many hours listening to this, or almost chilling out to this kind of music. Yeah, exactly. It's the kind of music that you just have on in the background while you're sort of thinking and preparing what to do next. Yeah. Excellent. All right, well, uh, let's leave our listeners with it. And uh, thanks again for joining me, Nick. Oh, thank you. And here we go. This is Andreas Voldertoft, probably, uh, with Luminescence from Stellaris. Until next time. <laughs>